0: Praise God. If you have your Bible, can you turn with me? We're going to be looking in the book of John as we've been just exploring some of what some of the I ams of Jesus, right? Jesus said that I am a few things. Amen. And if we're going to begin to put together a consensus of who Jesus really is, I think the first place that we need to look is exactly of what Jesus and who Jesus said he was said that he is. Amen. Because as we begin to get a better understanding of who Jesus is, we actually get a better understanding of who we are. Come on, as we see Jesus, and as we read the testimonies of some of these early apostles, as they say, you know, it's not I who lives, but what? Christ who lives in me. And as a matter of fact, in one of my favorite uh, scriptures, verses of Scripture, when I was first saved, God, God led me to try to remember some verses of Scripture. How many of you practice Scripture memorization? Is that something that people still do? I want you to know that as we begin to memorize Scripture, we put that and plant those seeds in our heart. Believe it or not, whenever the time comes that you need those verses, they're there. Amen? As we can just even teach our children to do the same, we're just beginning to memorize verses of Scripture. Very, very important. One of the first verses of Scripture that I ever did remember was was Romans 8.28. Come on, y'all know that one? But God works all things together for good for those who love God, and those who are called according to his purpose. Come on, I'm believing that here today, that God is working all things together for good as we just get to uh, just share in a wonderful testimony. Thank you so much for sharing that testimony, Kate. Very powerful. You did a great job. And yes, it is weird talking into a microphone. Uh, I get to experience that on multiple occasions throughout the week. Uh, Still not quite used to it yet, but I'm getting there. Amen. So how many of you are in John chapter, uh, did I say 14? Okay, so I guess that's where we'll go. We'll go John chapter 14. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. I'm just going to read that out right now. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, and the way you know. Oh, I'm sorry. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? So Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can we just bow our heads right now as we just pray and ask the Lord just to be with us here this morning. I know the Lord is really already here, but we're just going to pray again. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your, uh, just the immense amount of grace that you've poured into our lives, Lord. I'm believing that, that even now, Lord, that you've already performed many miracles in this place, Lord. And that you're going to be with us and you're going to begin to open up the Scripture To us, Lord, as we open our hearts to you. Lord, just as we declared here this morning, here's my heart, Lord. Lord, I'm praying that right now our hearts are ready to receive the implanted word, Lord, of of Jesus Christ. And that you can just open our minds, Lord, to understand a new way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So many of you, if you spend any uh, amount of time with me, you quickly learn that I have a few hobbies. One of the hobbies that I really enjoy to do is backpacking, Uh, something that me and Tommy Jr. and David Clark and Travis has been with us and and Shane and and a few others have come and participated with us in these backpacking journeys. And every time we go, it kind of, when you go backpacking, you figure out how everybody operates. You know, how many of you realize we all operate a little bit differently, especially when you put a little bit of stress on somebody? But I'm, of course, the guy who kind of puts together the the plan, okay? I'm the guy that goes, I I look at the, put together an itinerary, I schedule the route for the car that we're going to take. I even go as far as to figure out who's driving, so that way I can calculate what the fuel economy is for that specific vehicle, so that way I can figure out how far it is and then determine exactly how much gas that we're going to have to use, so that way, and I, I I even look at fuel costs between here and where we're going, so I can make sure that everybody splits the fuel price evenly, right? I mean, I'm the guy that actually goes out before we go on a trip, okay? And, I mean, how many of y'all have been camping, okay? I mean, is this, am I the only person that does this, planning and stuff like that? Look, I actually ordered from, from so this is one of our, our trips that we took, a backpacking trip, okay? Now, these just aren't maps, okay? These are waterproof maps, right? I mean, because, my word, you never know when it may be raining and you're lost and you're, you know, and all these things. You need to have waterproof maps, Okay? Some of us are planners, and some of us are, are not so much. But I, I try to look at, as we look at these maps, I, I go and I determine waypoints, right? As we're going we're gonna to put in at this spot on the trail, and then we're going to hike so many miles, and then we'll, we'll get to this camp spot, right? And then so we have like these, these goals that we set. No matter how unrealistic they are, we're going to reach these goals, Okay. Travis back, coming with us last time, I'm not picking on Travis, but he remembers this time where we like, there's a spot we gotta get to, man. And it's like get, I mean this is when it got dark at five o'clock, and it's about four o'clock, four thirty, and it's starting, you know, the sun is starting to go down, and we've already walked about fourteen miles with forty pounds on our back through mountains, okay? And we're like, no, oh, we've got to keep going. And David turns around and says, Hey, I mean, is it okay if we camp here? I'm like, No. Keep going, okay? we got to get to the point that we've predetermined, okay? I'm telling you, it's so much better where we're going, okay? Because you know, where we were at, we were just in the middle of the woods, where we were going. I mean, how many of you know I did my research, and I knew that there was a river right next to that camp spot, so we had water, and then you get to lay in your tent, and you had the gurgling of the brook that went by, right? Of course, you know, that turned into me going get water out of the stream, and then my foot falling in the water, so now i got wet feet. It's going to get down to 35 degrees outside, and I'm sleeping in a hammock, okay? Uh, So anyway, sometimes the best laid plans, right? But many of us are planners. Some of us look at things at life as we plan things out, right? But some of us are just goers. How many goers do we have in here? You just say, hey, what's the plan? Great, let's go, okay? Let's go. I'm just going to go, right? Uh, How many of you are askers, okay? Like, you know the plan? You know, like as, as Sean shared here, God knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you. So what do you exactly mean by prosper? I mean, is that, I mean, so exactly what does that mean? I mean, you said you had plans, but do those plans really line up with my plans? Can you make this a little bit clear? How many of those people do we have in here? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just taking mental notes, right, for the, for the future. Not really. But I mean, we're all different. We're all wired differently, right? But I want you to see here that we all are going somewhere. Come on, it doesn't matter if you're a planner, if you're the goer, if you're the asker, whatever the case may be. And in life, now, most of these folks don't go on backpacking trips or on trails or on trips and all that stuff, but you also just have the, the, the sit-around kind of people, right? They just sit around and let life pass them by, okay? I want you to know I, I don't encourage that type of lifestyle, and I don't think that the Bible does either. Jesus wants us to take hold of this life and do something with it, amen? There's actually some, some parables that I can share that's not for today, but maybe for the future. But we're all wired a little bit different. And we're all going somewhere. And we approach life many times in different ways. And that's okay. That's okay. As long as you've got a planner, you're in good shape. Okay? Not really. Sometimes the goers get things done too. Or the askers. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. But in this verse of Scripture, uh, in, in John chapter 14, Jesus is sa- He says this. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Also believe in me. Just think about that for a moment. As Jesus is right there, He's just preparing the the Last Supper. And He knows that He's fixing to go to the cross. And He's fixing to leave the disciples in this place of great turmoil and questioning, right? He says, hey, listen, some things are fixing to happen. I'm I'm encouraging you right now, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And over these past weeks, we've been talking about Jesus as He is the, the, the resurrection and the life. As Jesus is the true vine and he's just, he's beginning to unfold who he is. So that way these disciples, that way we can have an understanding of who Jesus is and we can let not our heart be troubled. That we can believe in him and be comforted by that. You know, Jesus has the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring great comfort into our lives when we yield to his plan and to his way. Amen? Amen. Jesus goes on to say, he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Come on, Jesus is saying, hey, in my Father's house, there's many mansions. It's a big, big, big house over there, right? In some of your translations, it it may say there are many rooms, right? But in in the Greek, some of your translations may say dwelling places, right? Because how many of you realize that heaven and eternity isn't necessarily about the size of the mansion you're living in, right? It's about who's living in the mansion with you. That God's bringing us to a place, not not just to uh, some fancy lifestyle, but a lifestyle of 100% presence with the Father, our Creator, in heaven. Amen? And that's good news. That's where Jesus is going. Jesus is saying, I'm preparing a place for you. And man, y'all know Jesus was a carpenter. His dad was a carpenter. I mean, this is a skilled tradesman, okay? Jesus, I mean, I'm sure... He can just actually speak, mansion, and then it kind of, you know, is, appears. But, uh, I mean, as he created just mountains, right? Uh, mountain there, river here, okay. Uh, put a bird flying over, eagle. Have that eagle just swoop down, grab the fish, you know, all these things. Okay, take a picture, put it on a poster, right? That's just how Jesus, but, but I believe that Jesus is there preparing a place for for us, for each and every one of us in eternity. And he's taking this. 2000 years come on he's taking time putting love and care and compassion into what he's doing and he says if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you you know that's one of the most profound statements in all the scripture that jesus didn't just go away but he said he's what he's coming back he's coming back again to receive us into his eternal presence But then you have this wonderful statement by Thomas. How many of y'all love Thomas? I mean, isn't he just an awesome character in the Bible? He's mentioned about three times of him saying something, okay? He's mentioned a couple more times that just kind of in passing. Thomas, right? But forever, he, you know, we all know Thomas as, as saying to, to, to Jesus, you know, well, or taint to the apostles, unless I see the, the scars in his hands and I put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe, right? And, and, and that little bit, that moment of doubt in Thomas forever stigmatizes him to be what? Doubting Thomas, right? I mean, can you imagine living your life, I mean, having failed a couple times and it gets publicly recorded, right? And that's forever who you are in all of eternity, right? You know, it's like, you you know, you, you, somebody puts a bunch of pressure on you and you maybe lie. Oh, that's lying Joe, okay? Man, golly, that's kind of tough, right? But Thomas was an asker. And quite frankly, I'm very appreciative of his questions. Thomas asked the question, he says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? He's like, Jesus. he said, let's just be frank here. I mean, you speak to us in parables and riddles. Everything you say is a story and kind of symbolic. You say you're going somewhere. I have no idea where you're going, much less how the way to get there. I mean, what are you talking about, Jesus, right? I mean, that's just the image I have in my mind of Thomas. And after that, Jesus, he makes the boldest statement in all of Scripture. In in the entire Bible, okay? I don't know how many pages you got in your Bible. But if I go back to the book of Revelation, okay, and I look here and I see there's 1,000... 426 pages in my bible plus the concordance and some other things some maps and all that other stuff. And in all of this bible in every verb in every word of scripture that's listed in the bible Jesus makes in this one scripture verse John 14:6 he makes the boldest statement that anybody has makes has made in all of scripture. It's the boldest statement. Jesus says I am right? I am the way I am the truth, and I am the life. Okay, are you ready for this? Everybody sitting down? I'm not, but it's okay. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Think about that for just a moment. Jesus, talking to Thomas. Thomas says, what are you talking about, Jesus? I mean, where are you going? He says, look, Thomas, you're missing the point. It's not about where you go and how to get there. What I'm telling you is this. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus said, "I am the way." Jesus said, "I am the way." Not necessarily I'm going to show you the way, right? How many of you realize that during that time and even now that there's many ways that we can go right as, as I look at my trail map and I can show you as we're walking through these trails And you can look in here and see that there's many trails that kind of shoot off and go in different directions, right? But there's one trail that's going to get you to where you got to go Right that trail is the way Jesus said I am the way come on. How many of you realize that Jesus is the way maker? Come on Jesus trail. I'll make you new. I'll give you new life Amen? Come on, the gospel is the good news. The good news is this, that Jesus is the way. He is the one who declared that for us as we follow behind him. Jesus says, I am the way and I am the truth. So we have to ask ourselves one question, what is truth? I mean, in in, in reality, Jesus, the, the statement that he makes following this I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me some people may say well that's pretty dogmatic of Jesus I mean he's not really leaving any wiggle room for for everybody else I mean who does Jesus think he is to be able to say I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me you know what is he saying here that's that's kind of harsh that's kind of dogmatic well it is and that's okay if I told you, think about math, and we have many teachers here, so I'm not going to try to get too complicated with my math skills, but, but somebody tell me, what's 2 plus 2? What? 4, okay, okay. So nobody said 5, nobody said 3, nobody said any of that stuff. Why? Because 2 plus 2 is 4. If I told you anything else, what would I be? A liar, right? Because it's dogmatic, right? It's like saying, the truth is the truth. No matter what you believe or not, the truth still stands. The truth is still the truth. Jesus says that He is the way and He is that truth. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is our example of truth. As he made himself the word of God. And came to be filled with truth. But I want you to realize something here this morning. And many of you do as I say this over and over again. But we, if you look in the book of Ephesians. I'm going to turn there. But the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to read verses 10 through 15. I think I may have the scripture verses up there just as a reference. Ephesians 6, 10 through 15. This is Paul writing to the the church in Ephesus. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He goes on to say, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to continue to read and Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith which sta- which, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In Ephesians here we read that it's important that we take on what? That we gird ourselves with truth. As we gird ourselves with truth. I was reading here just the other day, and I was was, was looking through some Scripture verses. I see here that just before this instance in John chapter 14, Jesus is having going through all these these symbolisms of who He is. He gives us a little key of to who He is in those symbolisms. In John chapter 13, verse 2, it says, In the supper being ended, y'all know this is the last supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. I, just, I have this towel here just as a kind of an example. This is a kind of a blanket, but I would assume that this is kind of what that towel is. It says that he took a towel and he girded himself. Highly likely that he kind of did something like this. That's a girding, right? I'm not going to wear this long, okay? But he tied it around himself, right? He girded this towel. And what did he begin to do with it? And he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded, right? Jesus took, takes this towel. And you know, many times, every time I read that, I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of weird, Jesus. I mean, why would he not just hold the towel, right? Get down on his knees and wash the feet, okay? And then he could take that towel and, and just wipe the feet off. Because I believe that Jesus is, is saying that this towel represents the truth of who he is. This represents the truth Of what he rep, of who Jesus is. As he takes this towel and he girds it around his waist. Right? And he goes and he begins to wash the feet, which represents the gospel as being spread by the disciples. And he's saying, you know, the truth, Peter, this truth, as I begin to wash your feet, that's going to be carrying the gospel into all the world, It's going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's going to keep you holy. It's going to keep you safe. It's going to keep you prepared for the work that God has for you. That as I, as I gird this around my waist, as I wipe you with this truth that represents who I am, Peter, you'll be safe. You'll be holy in that. You'll be sanctified. That same truth, who Jesus is, we have to gird around ourselves. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the life. Come on, how many of us prepare our hearts with the truth? The truth we know as the Word of God. As we just read in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt Among us. He was full of grace and truth. That truth that's so profound, so convincing. That look at the early apostles. They were absolutely convinced that Jesus was their Savior. To the point that of Paul, who's one of the greatest examples of salvation in all of Scripture. Why? Because he was was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He would go and persecute the Christians because he was convinced And something happened along that road to Damascus that changed Paul's mind to the point where he not only put himself in danger, but he began to go and, and witness to all the Christians who he was previously trying to persecute. Even unto his own arrest and death in the end. as Paul says, he was stoned, he was boiled alive. All these things that he did. Listen, people don't die for things they don't believe. If you ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll quickly find that many of the early disciples and many of the early followers of Jesus were persecuted, tortured, and killed for their faith. Think about that for just a moment. They were so convinced that Jesus was the truth that they were willing to die for it. Jesus said, I am the way. You know, there was a time when when, when, G, when Peter uh, was talking to Jesus. Jesus was like, Peter, you can leave. He said, where am I going to go to hear the words of life? Where else am I going to go to to receive the things I need for my own salvation? Peter was absolutely convinced, having spent three years with Jesus, that, that he was the Son of God. That Jesus is the truth. That Jesus is the way. Come on, the way isn't just something that we... Some type of ideals that we follow. Christianity Christianity isn't just a pot list of certain belief systems. Christianity is a lifestyle. It's a change. Come on, we sang it today. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Come on, I want you to know that today, all things have become new in me. And if you're willing to follow Jesus every step of the way, all things will be new for you as well. As we submit ourselves to the truth... You know, the truth stands when opinions fail. The truth will stand when opinions fail. How many of you realize we all got opinions, right? We can read Scripture and we can do all these other things, but until we say, you know what? My opinion doesn't mean anything anymore. I'm going to begin to read Scripture for what it is and begin to understand Jesus for who He said He is. That Jesus is the way. He's the way out of every dark situation. He's the way out of every... uh, spiritual attack, physical attack. Jesus is the way if we follow him. He's not the trail, right? The trail's not there. He's not just following us as a guide. Come on, Jesus is the way maker. Jesus says that he is the way and there's no other way except through him. Now consider those words for just a moment. If you can't take those words and just let them sink into your heart as truth here this morning, then you may as well take the rest of Scripture and just put it on the shelf. Because for Jesus to say that, it can only mean one of a couple things. Either He was right, He is the way, the truth, and the life, and through Him we get to the Father, so that's the Jesus that I know and serve. Or He's a lunatic... Right, or a liar, or a mass deceiver. You can't take some of the teachings of Jesus and ignore this one. You know, there's a whole world out there that says, you know, maybe there's other ways to eternity besides through Jesus. Jesus is really just some idealism that, that was put together by the early Christians in order for them to be able to dictate and control people's life. I'm here to tell you that this morning, that's not, that's not the case at all. Jesus wants to come down and live, not control your life. He wants to be the new life inside of you. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As we allow Jesus to be our way, as we allow Jesus to be our truth, he can begin to plant life in you. And he can begin to plant joy and peace and comfort and salvation. Why? Because we know where we're going. We know that Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. That is our hope. That is our future. In Luke, he says, Jesus says that whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. The real question here today is that are we willing to let go of our own lives that Jesus can raise us again into new life in him? You know, I was having a conversation uh, here just a few days ago uh, with another minister and, and we were talking about, about the resurrection and how, just how powerful that really is. But you know, one key point came out in that conversation was that, that unless there's death, there can't be a resurrection. Come on, unless we're willing to die, we can't be raised into new life. Unless we're willing to let go, we can't take hold of something new. Come on, just as we prayed here this morning about our tithes and our offerings, you know, we can't, God can't bless that clenched hand. As we let go, he has the ability to pour back into us. As we say, Lord, I'm not going to hang on to those old grudges and those old unforgivenesses any longer. But I'm going to submit to who you are, to who you say that I am. That I am redeemed. That I am healed. I am set free. I'm letting go of that past life. And I'm taking hold of my new life. A new life requires death of the old one. Jesus wrote all these, said all these things. All these things that were written in the book of John were written for a specific purpose. I want you to go and, and in fact, if you have time this afternoon, just, to, and just devote this day, this Sunday, the Lord's Day, to reading the book of John. You read it through, it'll change your life. In fact, the, 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 the crowning statement of John says in, in John 20, 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may live in His name. Come on, the book of John was written that we may believe, not just that we have the opportunity for a better life, but we can believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He's the one who came to this earth. That way He can die and be raised again. That way we have an opportunity to die and be raised again in newness of life. Come on, here this morning, I want you to ask yourself that question. Am I willing to die that I may live? Or am I going to just hold on to these things of this world? I'm going to lose them anyway. One of the questions that every human being on this earth has to answer. The question that comes to every person's mind at some point in time or another. For some people, it comes early. For some people, it comes late. For some people, it comes amidst a lot the midlife when I'm trying to build my career and build a new life for myself, or build a build my family, or do all these things. That question being is, what's going to happen in eternity? It seems like a simple question to ask in a church, but what happens in eternity? What happens when these lungs fail to draw breath any longer? What happens when my heart quits beating, blood flowing through my Veins? What happens when the electrical uh, processor that I have as a brain quits, seeks to fire off all these synapses and things like that in my brain? What happens when everything is over? In Jesus, we have that answer. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. I've come to that that time in my life having asked myself that same question and come to a great turmoil of spirit not knowing for sure what my eternity looked like. And in the midst of that Jesus says let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's going to prepare a place for me he's going to prepare a place for each and every one of you you know the truth is is we've all got to answer that question i appreciate again thomas as he asks lord what's what are you talking about specifically because that way jesus he kind of says jesus i need a little clarification here right I mean, you're, you're painting a really nice picture. I mean, I see mansions and dwelling places. And as a matter of fact, John goes on to write in the Revelation, he talks about rivers and, and trees that bring forth life uh, everlasting and, and this wonderful place that everybody wants to go to. Why? Because it says God's presence is so profound in the place that there is no shadow in heaven. I mean, think about that. If you look right underneath the chair that you're sitting on, there's shadows. I mean, we've got 48 light fixtures in here. But yet, 48 lights can't even cast the darkness completely out of this room. That even there's a shadow of turning in all these places, right? There's a shadow that's hidden of darkness. In heaven, there is no shadow. Why? Because God's presence is so profound that it drives darkness out of every nook and cranny. Every nook and cranny of our heart is driven out, every nook and cranny of our mind is driven out. God is everywhere. He's eternal. This is what we have to look forward to. Jesus says, I am the way to the Father. Jesus says, I am the way. Through the cross, Jesus made a way where there seemed to be no way. And for many of us, we all have the ability to get off the trail. How many of you have ever been off the trail? Right, we've we've been down that road, we've walked, and we said, man, you're walking along, you know, man, this life is good. Next thing you know, you look up. I'm in the middle of the woods. There is no trail before me. There is no, there's nowhere, I don't know where I'm at. What do I do? Where do I go? Jesus says, "Draw draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto you. I want to say here that you have the ability to call upon the name of Jesus and he'll come running and he'll find you right where you are right in that circumstance right in the middle of that jungle that 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 you find yourself so alone and we just have the ability to surrender again unto his way as he says he is the way he is the truth and he is the life Many times when we get off trail when we're hiking Sometimes we run into that situation. You're hiking along and we're talking. And we, you know, we maybe get off onto like another trail or something that, a trail that someone else had blazed that's not really the trail that went to anywhere. We've actually walked along a trail one time only to find ourselves kind of on the edge of like this cliff thing, right? And I guess it was an outlook because people just came to this spot and you stop. So what do we do then? Many times the best thing is just turn around, go back to that last blaze, Right? that last marker on a tree, that last spot that somebody said, hey, this is the trail, and you remember seeing it, you just go back to that spot and you begin to look around. Right? How many times in our life do we get off track, we get off balance, we find ourselves in a place where we know we're not supposed to be, I want to encourage you that you can just go back to that last spot, that last moment where you know you were in the will of God, where you know that God was with you, where you know that Jesus was leading the way, and you begin to look for that next blaze. And don't move until you find it. And in fact, I would have a conversation with some of our fellow believers. With some of those who are looking along the way with you. And say, hey, can you help me out? Can you help me find this next blaze in life? And many times they can help guide and direct you into that. Amen? Amen.